Hello and welcome to This is Good for My Therapy. Uh, Sylvie and Sarah will be joining us shortly and today we'll be talking about the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. So yeah, today I'm going to tell the story and some of the about the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. Um, so you might have heard a little bit about this before. She's a young woman who went missing while on a cruise ship. Um, like a start point, I don't know about you guys, but I know like a lot of people who swear by cruises, like they love them so much and think it's like the most fun you can have in the universe. And I... Like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's like a floating mall slash amusement park slash water park slash, you know, five-star hotel slash whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, they're like, everything is available on here. But, like, I'm, they're gross, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Disgusting. Okay, but listen, <laughs> Sylvie, I'm with you. I When I was working at the OB... Uh, there were so many people that went on cruises and they swore by them and they tell you how lovely they are and they make you believe in it. But it really... Sorry, go ahead. It's like the Titanic in which it's what you can afford because my experience is going to be very different from their experience. They have a suite and like, you know, space and whatever. And I would have no excursions and like a a room with a bunk bed so I feel like I feel like yeah that and also like I don't know if you remember hearing about this in passing but there was like a cruise ship in which the quote-unquote poop deck was quite literally covered in poop what no I don't know these things about I don't know anything oh yeah they're they're like legionnaire's disease is huge oh, yeah. on cruise ships like okay. yeah, and what is so legionnaire's like, makes you make you like, poop a lot uh, it's a diarrhea yeah. disease it's like diarrhea like a food poison type thing and then there was like i would say like a year and a half ago uh you know when every cruise ship ever became a literal petri dish to grow covid mm, <laughs> like, yeah oh. so like on that note the alternate working title for this episode is reason number 500. I will never go on a cruise. Yeah. The number one reason for me was I heard a lot about sexual assaults. Yes. Like that yes. was the number one thing I heard about them. And it's like, that's terrifying mm, yes. for so many yes. reasons. Not ideal. Right. So that's my thought starting this <laughs> is fuck cruises. They're gross. And now um, we're going to learn reason number 500. Yes, reason number 500. Uh, so the story kind of concerns the Bradley family. Uh, so Ron Bradley is an insurance, was an insurance, is, I don't, actually, I don't know if he's still an insurance salesman, um, but he, <laughs> at the time, in 1998, was an insurance salesman from Virginia. And he <laughs> won a trip uh, through his work. Um on the Rhapsody of the Seas, a Royal Caribbean International luxury ocean liner that would carry just over 2,400 guests on a seven-day cruise around the Caribbean, starting in San Juan. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And this prize he won, so it was him um, and I believe 35 other employees won this cruise. It had only covered the cost for him and his wife, Iva. 
but they decided that they were going to treat their kids, 23-year-old university graduate Amy and 21-year-old son Brad. I'm going to pause for a second here. Yeah. Yeah. 21-year-old Brad? Yes. Um, And I'm going to pause for a second here just because I feel like it's a serious, you know, it's a serious thing that happened. It's a sad story. So we need to get the laughter out now because they named their son Brad Bradley, which is arguably the stupidest thing in the world. So please feel free to laugh now. Get it out of your system. Their son, Brad Bradley. Who does that? Like, for serious guys. (laughs) Sorry. A a lot of names are strange. (laughs) Very wise, Sarah. How just... (laughs) And they decided they were going to treat their kids. You got 23-year-old Amy and 21-year-old Brad. So they arrived in San Juan on March 21st, 1998. And Amy was incredibly excited for the trip. So much so that she had like written out a postcard to mail to one of her friends saying, this is great. It's beautiful. I'm so excited for this. Um, Which, you know, is a thing that would only actually happen in 1998. But still. the fact that she was so excited was kind of a feat on its own because she had been very reluctant to join the whole family vacation in the first place. Uh, she was an incredibly accomplished swimmer. She was a trained lifeguard, but she'd been really vocal with her family friends about how she was scared of all that open water and had to literally be convinced to go on the trip. But she had decided to go. And for the next couple of days, there was drinking and fancy dinners and excursions in Aruba, you know, like, cruise type things they just were cruising it up for a couple of days and on the evening of the 23rd of march after a formal dinner they continue the family decided to continue drinking together throughout the night joining a calypso party as one does that was happening on board ron and iva being you know old decided to call it a night and will go back to their cabin around 1 30 a.m on the 24th well brad and amy decided to keep drinking throughout the night and ended up befriending members of one of the ship bands blue orchid again i got mm-hmm. pause every once in a while for a stupid name because that is the most 90s sounding name for <laughs> um, you are so right were they a cover band of anything or they probably just oh, played cover songs i don't songs, know right, if they were a, a cover ship? band oh i don't I think, know but i imagine Blue Orchid on the Rhapsody of the Seas. They were definitely (laughs) doing some, like, (laughs) early 90s soft rock covers. Oh, for sure. 100%. So anyway, they befriended some members of the band and decided to join them in the Viking Lounge, one of the other clubs on board. Oh, my God. Wait, the Viking Lounge? You're not going to pause for the Viking Lounge? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I feel at this point, you know when the pause is going to come. Oh, God. Oh, I should have waited. I'm sorry. There's I jumped some dumb the... names. There's some dumb names. I jumped the Viking gun. The Viking gun. Oh, um, yes, yeah, so they joined them at the Viking Lounge and continued uh, continue drinking throughout the night, as one does, apparently, on a uh, cruise. Well. Yeah. So um, all the doors to the cabins have an electronic locking system, so you they could tell when the kids came back. Brad returned at about 3.35 in the morning, Um, And Amy followed about five minutes later. Both the parents were asleep and they parents, uh, the kids decided that they were going to step out on the balcony for a while to philosophize about life and the world and whatnot, like any drunk, drunk 20 somethings would. Um, (laughs) 
sounds great. I'm so down. I'm on right? this balcony with them right now, Sylvie. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. Um, so they did that for a while. Brad decided he was going to head back in to go to bed. Well, Amy decided she was going to stay out on the balcony, wanting to sleep off her seasickness in the fresh air. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say seasick. I, I, I feel like you could feel the air quote there. Uh, yeah, seasickness. Yep. Seasickness. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's why she was not feeling great. Anyway, so basically, she decided to sleep out on the balcony for a little bit just to just to refresh herself. A restless Ron ended up waking up about five thirty in the morning, um, and he noticed that Amy was on the deck. He later told papers when discussing the case, "I could see Amy's legs from her hips down." I dozed off back to sleep. The balcony door was definitely closed because it hadn't been open. If it had been, I would have gotten up and closed it. At about 6 a.m., something woke me up again. I got up, and the balcony door was open then, 14 to 16 inches maybe, and maybe wasn't, and Amy wasn't on deck. Um, I had a funny little feeling about it at the time because it was really unlike her to be up that early in the morning. Especially after being uh, drunk. Being so drunk. Yeah. So Ron gets up. And he looks around. He sees that Amy's ID had been left um, in the room. Uh, her cigarettes and lighter were missing. She hadn't written any sort of note. And it appeared that she had actually changed the clothes that she had been wearing the night before, before leaving. Hmm. Ron, wondering what happened, went to go look for Amy from, went to look for Amy by himself. He was careful not to wake up the rest of the family and headed out to the ship. He checked all the places they had been the night before, and when he didn't find her, he started checking through the other common areas on the ship, thinking it was possible that she had wandered off a little drunk and fallen asleep somewhere else. No luck. Couldn't find her. Um, Which apparently this whole wandered off and falling asleep somewhere random on a cruise, as far as I can tell, quite a common occurrence. Or a common theory of occurrence, or do people literally wander off? Like, I don't know. There's been points where I was looking into this too about some other weird things that have happened, and the number of times that someone was found like on a bench on like you know the Lido deck or whatever, hmm. um, and escorted back to their cabin by crew staff is is fairly it's shocking. Not, it's not an uncommon occurrence, basically. Okay, that doesn't um, surprise me considering how much drinking happens on a cruise. Yeah, exactly. People are like drunk. This feels like a bed. stay here um so yeah he looked around couldn't find her so he went back and woke up the rest of the family at this point uh with no sign of amy the family all went together to locate the securities chief on the boat lou costello they were convinced that something bad had happened they asked for a pa announcement and for a search of the boat but at that point, seemingly more concerned about the fun times for the rest of the uh, guests on board, they were told that it was just too early for a ship-wide announcement, and that honestly, Amy had probably just stayed over in someone else's cabin. <laughs> Which, again, I mean, you can see them being like, it's probably what happened. It probably happened quite a bit. Right, um, she's 23, she's not a kid, and like it's her dad that's coming up to them, and they're probably like, Eat. okay papa bear like calm down she'll yeah. turn up yeah exactly so at around this point in the morning the ship had actually pulled into curacao and would soon be docking iva bradley begged them to postpone allowing passengers off the ship until they could 
at least conduct a search, but they were again refused. Costello, after much pleading by the family, finally agreed that they would do a shipwide announcement at 7.50 a.m., but at that point, it was too late. There were few passengers that were still on board to hear it, and it wasn't exactly a, like a rising call for arms for help. It was, would Amy Bradley please come to the person's desk? <laughs> not surprisingly, she did not. Um, so just before noon, the family was able to speak with the captain, whose name I'm going to pronounce one time, and then afterwards he will just be referred to as the captain. I love it. Uh, because it's like, it looks like it's like probably one of those like weird Nordic names that has too many J's in it, mm. and um, I don't, I don't, I'm doing it wrong, is what I'm saying. So they uh, spoke with Captain mm, Kettle Gertstad. Perfect, um, Captain. Yeah. They talked to the captain um, and asked him to distribute a picture of Amy around the ship, but he refused, saying, I cannot do that. I will not alarm the passengers. Um, Mm. Apparently, Brad had made a passing comment at some point during all these exchanges about Amy saying that she needed to pick up more smokes. So a lot of people speculate that that's what initially led the crew to take such kind of nonchalant approach to the whole thing. Um, convinced that she had just wandered off on her own to do that, uh, and then disembarked the ship with everybody else without her family. But, Between... like, <laughs> I just, I feel like that's such a, a poor excuse because, well, I guess you're right, she did change before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she was there, so she didn't stay over at somebody's room. She did, yeah. she did come back, but then maybe she did change, and then she went out to look for cigarettes. And then, yeah. I mean, okay, I guess it is a plausible story. Fine. Yes. It's, yeah. I find a couple of things interesting because, like, the RCIs, like the Royal Caribbean Cruise or whatever, does seem to change a couple points. Like, at this point, they're very much, like, yeah, she's clear, like, she clearly left, but there's a reasonable reason she left and you're going to find her. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Between 12.15 and 1 p.m., uh, after, again, most of the sh- most of the past, most of those 20, uh, 2,400 passengers had already left the ship at this point, um, the captain finally had the staff start searching through all 99 rooms, restaurants, lounges, decks, storage places, common areas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, obviously, she wasn't found. Otherwise, this would be a very short it, it wouldn't be a missing story <laughs> it wouldn't be a missing story it's like amy lynn bradley was missing and then they found her only six hours later <laughs> just by searching go on cruises. yeah good police work <laughs> they found her <laughs> dun, dun, yeah. Dun. yeah yeah um so yeah apparently during that time they had all the staff searching for her uh the Bradleys, while this was going on, decided that they were also going to get off the ship to search around town to see if they could find her off the boat. Um, thinking, checking to see, like, did she actually just leave or take was taken off? Like, we're going to look around the area to see if they can find her. Fair. As they were doing the show, they were told in no uncertain terms from the captain that they would be, the ship would be leaving that evening regardless of if Amy, regardless of if Amy was on board or not. They would not be waiting for them to return. So the Bradleys kind of had an option, like either risk their daughter having left the boat and leave Curacao, mm-hmm. or leave the boat, 
stay in Curacao, knowing that if she was found on the ship, they would be able to be notified. So they did decide to stay in Curacao rather than departing with the ship that evening. Wow. Um, at some point during the day, the captain called Royal Caribbean International uh, to explain the situation. And the company promptly set out, sent out a lawyer who arrived the next day. Um, when in contact with the ship, the Bradleys were told that they could have no more contact with the captain or the crew without having the lawyer present. Uh, so why didn't one of them stay on the ship was my question like you know i understand that you want to look for her in town but she's 23 she's probably a smart person she knows when to get back on the ship if she got off the ship and so why would you all three of you stay why wouldn't one of you stay on the boat in case like she was sleeping in somebody's room but anyway so my thought with that is that if, you're, if the family is, like, in this at this point, believing something has gone wrong, like, something bad has happened to her, if she is, if they leave, if they stay on the boat and leave, they can't search Curacao. If she mm. is on the boat and wakes up hours later, like, at 5 p.m., and it's like, that was a day, uh, <laughs> and goes back to her cabin and her family's not there, she's going to follow the same kind of steps that they did search for them can't find them go to security and as soon as she goes to security and says i can't find my family they're holy shit you're amy bradley we've been looking for you all day your family's still in curacao they're wandering the streets trying to find you and also they never made it seem like a big deal that she would have to get in contact it wasn't yeah. like immediately emergency they didn't want to alarm anybody no, so it they're was just very like, much like instant kind of cover your own ass like and again i guess in that initial reaction from the cruise employees you can kind of see them being like this happens a lot people mm. like she was drunk <laughs> she's probably somewhere um our staff are very attractive <laughs> like, yeah, like she could be anywhere on this boat it's a bit and this was like i mean it wasn't like the biggest cruise liner but it was big like holds over 2400 people it had like 11 decks like wow it was a, lot. It was a big ship That's, so it's huge ship, right like it's 11 floors there's 2400 people on it like there's a lot of places someone who was drunk or sober could just kind of hide out hide get out. lost and get lost whatever so I mean, I will say in the kind of early, like that first morning, um, I can understand why the cruise ship wasn't like, Panic. oh my God, she's not here, lock everything down, blah, blah, blah. There are points though, like the, no, we're not going to do an announcement. We're not going to send out her picture. We don't want to alarm anyone. Mm. Um, that was, you know. Harder to take. A little yeah. harder to justify in my mind, yeah. Or, um, or just make it sound more like an emergency for her to get in contact, at least. Like, yeah, like the because when the announcement finally went out, <clears throat> would Amy Lynn Bradley please come to the purser's desk? Like, right? Like she's not. not she's gonna think her parents are mad at her if she's out getting cigarettes or something, right? Like, yeah. oh fuck. Yeah, right. And it's not. It's not making any of the other passengers who I guess, yes, you don't want to alarm everyone thinking there's an emergency, 
but it's not even really making any of the other passengers think like, oh, I should be on the lookout for well, this. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Oh man. It also makes so, me wonder how how different the uh the approach would have been if Amy Lynn was a child. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But she was like she was a grown ass woman. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, get back into the the groove of this because I think RCI their next thing does make it pretty clear what they decided their stance was going to be. Um, so you have the captain who called RCI, uh, sends out a lawyer who's like, nope, you're not allowed to talk to anyone anymore unless I'm here. Um, <clears throat> and it was kind of from that point on that RCI made it really clear what they believed happened, which was that Amy Lynn Bradley had either tragically fallen or jumped off the balcony of her, uh, cabin in the early hours of the morning and died at sea that was but at this point so this is kind of at that end of the first day when they hadn't found her during the church and they hadn't found her in curacao i'm sorry at the end of the first day the cruise yeah. line's like yep she's dead she fell off yeah yeah wow. so that was kind of the point she either like mistakenly had fallen or jumped off the balcony so <laughs> but they didn't do any investigation for that no they did not. That was just, this is what's happened. So the family, understandably, um, kind of pushed back against this. Like they, they refused, like outright refused to believe that it could even possibly be a suicide, um, which, I mean, I guess, I guess any family of someone who has committed suicide is going to say, like, no. <laughs> Especially no. with no note. Yeah, like with nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they definitely were going to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also were like really pushing back against the idea of her like tripping or falling, accidentally tripping or falling despite being drunk. So this kind of flashes back. The reasoning for this flashes back to that thing I had said earlier about how she had had this really vocalized fear of like this large body of open water. So throughout the few days that they had been on the, the ship, um, she had been. Like, she'd been comfortable on the ship, but she'd refuse to go, like, too close to any of the railings anywhere in the ship if there wasn't somebody else there that she could hold on to. Like, as Mm -hmm. soon as she got too close, she'd get freaked out and would kind of be like, oh, I don't like this, and, like, grab onto her dad or brother or mom and just be like, I don't like this. Um, And Kind of like me with heights. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're fine as a whole, but if you get too close, you're like, oh, hell no. That is a hard Um, no. Just hard pass. Yeah. So she's been pretty, like, it wasn't like this happened, like, you know, it wasn't like a little passing comment. Oh, I don't like the water. Like, she was very much putting it out there. I don't want to be near the edges of these railings. Unless she's holding um, on to somebody. Like, <laughs> like she made that pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other kind of counterpoint against this whole accidental falling is even if she was drunk, therefore her inhibitions are a little lower and she might have gotten, like, been comfortable getting closer to the railing uh the railings were actually over chest height on her so for her to like accidentally stumble over something and fall over the railing she would have had to been standing on something to be high enough to do that so basically she'd have to work in order to fall yeah like it wouldn't have been an easy thing for her to just kind of stumble over uh 
So at this point, 24 hours after her disappearance, the Dutch Antilles Coast Guard commenced a search of the sea uh, in the area where the ship was. So they had three helicopters, a radar plane, a British Royal Navy ship, and like a battalion of different cargo ships and fishing vessels Hmm. that were out searching the waters for her. Uh, Five days. They searched for five days. Turned up her body. Um, so it kind of got to the point where it was like, if she did fall off the edge, they were not going to find her body. Uh, it was lost. So kind of going back. So the Bradley family were refusing to accept the suicide angle. They didn't buy the accidental falling angle. And they, at this point, um, so like, you know, in this kind of 24 hour period as the search is commencing, were maintaining that she was either still on that ship or she had been taken off of it against her will. This Whoa. was like mostly, mostly uh, supported by Ron, who was very adamant in his recollection that he had woken up at 530 and the door had been closed. And then when he woke up again at six, the door was open. Amy's clothes from the night before had been changed and she was gone. So it's kind of hard for them to tell they like the electronic locking system, like logged entrances, but didn't log exits. So there's no way for them to know if she actually did physically leave it. But um, if, if someone's going to jump off the edge of something, it seemed very strange that she would open the door, go inside, change her clothes, leave again with the door opened and then, you know, jump off. Um, Kind of corroborating Ron's statement as things started kind of getting to be known on the ship that there was something going on Mm. Uh, there was a witness statement um, a woman like a a college student named Krista Roberts uh, who stated that just after 5 30 in the morning she said I saw Amy and the band member walk over and up to the next deck that's above us about 10 minutes later he came walking back around by himself um, so the band member she was referring to was yeah. the artist of Blue Orchid, uh, a man named Alistair Yellow Douglas. I don't know why his name nickname is Yellow. I felt like I needed to say it, though, because it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was referring to that. Um, <clears throat> so upon kind of hearing this and fearing that RCI at this point was more concerned with their own image uh, than it wasn't looking into this allegation, the family still in Curacao decided to go to the U.S. Embassy, um, let them like report the incident, who then reported it to the FBI. Hmm. Okay. The owner of the insurance company that Ron worked for, the like the same company that had gifted them the trip in the first place, actually flew like flew himself to Curacao to try to help the family. Um, uh-huh. He actually ended up chartering like a private jet that would fly them to the next port. Uh, that the crew was going to St. Mark, uh, St. Martin. Aww. I know. Um, good, <laughs> good. Um, like that. That little tidbit really doesn't have any direct meaning. It just was like, oh. <laughs> so it's just nice that they'll do that for the family yeah. because at this point they're freaking out. They don't know where they're their twenty-three-year-old daughter is. Yeah, and they're stuck in Curacao, and those boats kind of continuing on as if nothing's happening. And any evidence of any what wrongdoing, happened, yeah, um, is still on that boat. So 
Uh, well, if only Brad a... Bradley had stayed on the boat. I'm sorry, Nicole. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was I was going to say, assuming that uh, the cleaning staff hadn't already had not you know, cleaned the room. Yeah. But yeah. if Brad had been on the boat and he had found the woman who had made the statement about seeing the bassist, right? Like, because nobody knew what was going on when they left the boat. Yeah. But he's not an investigator. There should have been somebody there doing the investigation. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And don't not they have cameras? Don't they have cameras anywhere? <laughs> like, um, or I didn't could have had a liaison or somebody advocating. CCTV wasn't like as prevalent. 1998. So they, yes. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they might have. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're clearly nothing that actually. <laughs> not not anything that was sufficient. Um, yeah. So anyway, the family was flown to St. Martin where they could re-meet up with the cruise ship. Oh. Uh, they reboarded. Um, and at that point, <laughs> we had the first kind of contact again with the captain and now the lawyer. Uh, and let them know that they had notified the FBI who would be arriving to investigate the disappearance. Um, they were unsurprisingly told that the ship was not registered in the U.S. and currently in foreign waters, and therefore the FBI would have no jurisdiction. Um, I'm sorry. Wow. Yes. It's yes. not registered in the U.S.? Where is it registered? Um, I don't... Uh, you know what? I didn't actually think to look and see where it was registered. Well, that's fair because it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's a pretty common thing with cruise ships um so eventually like with some back and forth rci did eventually agree to allow two fbi investigators on board to like to do a uh, an investigation but stipulated that they had to be dressed in casual clothing so as not to alert any other passengers of anything that was going on um at this point like so the fbi did arrive um and did investigate on the ship not much progress was made through this investigation. Like they didn't find too much. Now the FBI did say at this point, and I think it kind of is, is proven as the years kind of continued on um, that they also didn't lend as much credence to the whole like suicide or accidental falling. Mm -hmm. So while they didn't find her, um, like find anything much during the investigation on board, mm. they, did publicly state that the fact that she had left her ID implied that she hadn't intended to be gone for long from the room. Um, they made no public mention of any of their thoughts on like the suicide or the uh, specifically the suicide theory. Mm. Um, as this was going on and, and people did start to hear about this disappearance and this ex like explanation or explanation investigation, a spokesperson from RCI did publicly say that the agents had discovered that bal balcony furniture had been arranged near the barrier. There were footprints on the table and signs that someone had sat on the railing. The FBI responded directly to that statement, saying that they would have never they would never disclose such information to the company, but noticeably did not refute the claim outright. So it's kind of weird because you had RCI coming forward saying, like, yes, this is this thing happened. Um, they found basically evidence that she had moved the moved furniture, stood on a table and sat on the railing. So what, what, uh, one other question. 
Mm-hmm. What floor were they staying on? Ooh, I don't know. So maybe this woman saw the bassist. So where the, the father was sleeping, he could mm-hmm. see out the balcony door or he could just yeah. see onto the balcony. He could see onto the balcony. Like he was could it- see her on the balcony. So like in general, assuming that they didn't have like a big suite, like in general, it would have been like, you know, two beds in the in the same room. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like the cabin wouldn't be huge. It'd be like a hotel room. Okay. And so when he woke up and sat up, he could see her, like he couldn't see her face, but he could see like her legs sitting on the chair, basically. And it's possible that maybe she could have brought somebody back into the room with her without waking him up. Yeah, because he didn't wake up when the kids came back in. Right. So it is possible. I don't know how big the balcony was. So I don't know if he would have not been able to see. Now, like based on if you look at like cruise ships, like just like, oh, let's look at these cabins that are available and the outer ones that have balconies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not huge balconies. Like it would be like there's enough room for a couple of deck chairs and a table. But you'd have to, like, they said it was arranged differently and, like, that somebody was sitting up there. And so Mm -hmm. if she was uh, afraid and and Mark didn't notice, you know, said she was afraid and the bassist was, like, flirting with her or whatever and they were like, oh, no, sit up there, sit up there. And then maybe she did accidentally fall off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that. Just wondering about possibilities because I yeah. couldn't see an accidental fall over a chest height balcony. No, like, no. especially um, from somebody that was afraid, unless they were being goaded or she was holding on to somebody she trusted. Mm-hmm. Right. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, mm. I like that. I like that because, like, the way RCI definitely, like, when you kind of read what they were saying about what the agents discovered and blah blah blah. They were definitely pushing that as this is proof that she did this on purpose. Like she sat on the railing and jumped off. She had some responsibility in being where she was in the situation that she found herself in. But I find it kind of like both interesting because the FBI like comes out and says like, there's no way that we would ever tell them that. Exactly. Um, But so there's questions, but they also didn't sit like refute it. So it's, it's kind of questionable on whether or not that statement from RCI about the furniture being changed was true or not. Like, that's kind of the the thing. Like, people don't know if they just made that, basically. Well, and, and here's the thing, too, is that the FBI came and investigated, like, several days after. Yeah. And who's to say, you know, that... Um, maybe the maids came and shifted around furniture while while the um well cleaning family wasn't in the in the room you know yeah yeah like yeah there had been a couple of days after the disappearance so yeah maybe they been- know it's an abandoned room or something and so they mm-hmm. go there to hang out yeah or even they don't know it's an abandoned room but it's maid service so they go in they clean up they go onto the balcony they're cigarette butts and stuff like that because the you know at least yeah. Amy smoked so there's cigarettes and things like that so they're cleaning it up right yeah totally um one interesting 
thing that apparently did come out of the investigation um, actually on board the ship. Uh, the FBI divulged that that original search ordered by the captain, the one that was done the day she disappeared, um, like at like 1215, uh, where he was like, yeah, get everyone to search everything. Uh, turns out wasn't quite as extensive as the captain claimed it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the crew actually was ordered to only search the common areas yeah. and crew quarters. So um, they didn't want to disturb any passengers that may have been left on board or any of the work that was going on that would, you know, ultimately end up disturbing passengers. So they searched the common areas and they searched the crew quarters. They didn't search like areas that might have been accessible to um, like crew. passengers, even if they weren't allowed in them, they were still accessible. So like think kitchens, think storage places, hmm. um, stuff like that. So they didn't search any of that and they didn't search any, uh, passenger cabins. So if Amy was in any of those other places, at that time, like during that that initial search, search, they wouldn't have known. Totally. Um, and with the boat, you know, with the boat basically being docked and people allowed on and off, um, and then being like, you know, pulling plank and and going somewhere else. There's really at that point, there's no way to know if she had been in another room. There's no way to know now if in you know, the next stop in St. Martin, if she had been taken off the boat then. Absolutely. Because, and, and they, that was kind of the base of which they made their assertion that no, she either fell or jumped because she's not on the boat anywhere. And we searched everywhere. But you, you didn't search everywhere. I mean, I understand the legality of not being able to search every single passenger room. I get that. That's like huh, frustrating, but fine. But you're not going to search the kitchen or like accessible areas. Yeah, it was basically like, is she is she in the mall? No, well tried. Yeah, right. Is she <laughs> is she in the cafeteria? No, well, she's not yeah. here. She must have fallen off the chest height. I just nope. That's not an oopsie. <laughs> that's not an oopsie. It's not an oopsie. That's like easily done at all, right? You have to, like you said, physically work to make that an oopsie that was possible. <sighs> um. So yeah. Uh. Find out it's not wasn't as kind of extensive as they said it was. Um. One of the reasons that I start thinking, like, I guess believing that the FBI didn't like also didn't really buy into the accidental falling and or suicide angle is that they continued their investigation. So they were only given the access to the ship for a short period of time, but the FBI like continued to, to try to look into this. So they, even if they maybe did find like some of the stuff that RCI says they did, uh, it clearly in their investigators' minds wasn't a case of, yep, you know, like, wipe our hands of this, this is the answer. So um, basically at the end of their investigation, there were still a lot of questions in the FBI's mind about what happened to her. Um, So anyway, it's now March 28th, uh, and the Bradley family kind of did as, like, they had basically done as much as they could do there. It was the end of the trip. They were forced to fly back home um, a member short. Um, wow yeah 
Which must uh, have been heartbreaking. Oh, no. Right? It's Um, insane. That would just... Wow. Yeah. So at this point, they're going home. This this trip has ended quite abruptly for them in tragedy. Um, And RCI is really pushing the suicide slash accidental overboard uh, storyline. But probably because they didn't want any liability. Yeah. And the family is very much convinced that something more sinister happened mm-hmm. and that Amy, um, or sorry, and that an employee of the ship was to blame for Amy's disappearance. So that's kind of the like little basics of the dislike of her actual disappearance, like the days leading or the days after her disappearance and the kind of initial investigation. Um, so kind of look into a little closer at a couple little thoughts that are like suspects, I guess, for the family. Um, one was Alistair Douglas, the bassist from the bad band. So Brad um, had said that Douglas had been trying to dance a little too close to Amy throughout the entire night on the 23rd and 24th. And she'd been kind of dodging his advancements throughout the entire evening. Um Douglas was actually questioned by the FBI and he said that they danced till about 1 a.m. And then she gave him the cold shoulder and sent him on his way, Uh, which is kind of his version of the events, but doesn't really align with the fact that there was a witness who said they saw the that she saw the two of them together closer to 530 in the morning. Uh, It also seems that he had some weird kind of knowledge of her disappearance before any announcement had been made on the ship. So, Brad, when talking to the FBI, said that around 9 a.m., as they were kind of going through this whole thing, he was standing on the top deck, kind of looking through the crowds as people were kind of going on and off the ship to try to see if he could spot his sister. Um, And at that point, uh, Douglas approached him and he told him he was so sorry about what happened to his sister. It wasn't until like later uh, when when he was actually thinking about it and Um, like putting the timeline in his head that Brad started questioning how Douglas would have known anything about Amy's disappearance, like that she was even missing at all at that point (laughs) when everyone, like when no shipwide announcement had been made and RCI's official stance at that point with the security, uh, like the head of security and the ship's captain was that she would turn up. She was just somewhere else on the boat. So, wow. kind of weird. Um, I mean, even if he had said it to him later, after they had made the announcement of, like, can you come to the, you know, because yeah, the announcement it would still be really... Like a weird yeah, way it's of wording it, right? For sure. I'm sorry um, about what happened to your sister. What? Pardon? Yeah, like, what do you, what do you mean? And especially right? like, with, the, the, with the... Why was he sorry? Like, it's yeah. the wording of it. Like, even if she just wasn't around even if there were like little rumors already circulating among staff which seems unlikely given like basically it's been an hour since they told or like an hour and a half since they told the captain of security like how how quickly would that rumor circulate when they haven't done anything more than talk to the security and the and the captain right yeah, absolutely. Um, and the witness said she saw them together at around 5.30 that morning. Are you yeah, kidding which, me? Which kind of goes in line with what Ron said, which was he woke up at 5.30 and saw that she was gone. 
exactly because we saw her there at 5 30 at six o'clock she was gone and the witness specifically said a little bit after 5 30 in the morning because like what he might have woken up because she was stirring out there right yeah yeah. Like, and right. then she got up and came in and changed and left. And then that's when the witness saw her with Alistair, which sucks because that's such a cool name. And I'm just it's thinking. A, it is a cool name. So start calling him Yellow instead, which is his yeah. weird nickname. But I'm like, did he just wear a yellow shirt all the time? What's his last name? Douglas. Can we call him Douglas? Yeah, we'll call him Douglas. Okay, that makes me Douglas. Douglas, Douglas kind of, he's a little douchebag. I'm just yeah. throwing it Fuck out you, there. Douglas. Right? Um, so I think it is, like, it's important to say that the FBI um, actually did rule him out as a suspect. Now, why? I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, there is things saying that he, he passed a polygraph test, but everybody knows that polygraph tests are pretty much just a, an educated guess. Not even right, an yeah. educated death. It's almost 50-50. Like, what is it? They're 52% accurate. So, like... Some of them are more accurate. It, do, it really depends on the reader, the, the um, questions that you ask. Because it's like anything else, um, surveys and stuff. They're so open-ended with the way that you do it. But literally, mm. you can't tell anything because people are able to... Uh, manipulate their truths so depending on what they believe right and that's very impressive but it they are to an extent i would trust a lie detector test but based in conjunction with other actual evidence i wouldn't use it to like fully make a decision yeah okay so Um, so on maury povich you'd you'd trust the uh the polygraph uh, test if it came with uh, like the DNA test afterwards. Okay, yeah, with the DNA test to Hundy P. But like, listen, the Maury Povich lie detector people, how many lie detectors have, what's their training? Like, give me their <laughs> skill set. I just. I want their resume. I do. And I really, I'm just, I have questions, you guys. Yeah. Um, but okay, so we don't know why they cleared him, but for yeah, some but reason, Alistair is cleared. They, yeah, they ruled him out as a suspect. Um, however, like this particular case is one of the, one of those kind of little mysteries that has really kind of taken hold on the internet. Okay. Um, and people are like very sleuthy about it. All right. And he's like, Douglas still is considered like it's still a very prominent suspect in the minds of all the little internet detectives. Yeah. Um, The internet sleuths still think Douglas could possibly be a suspect because listen, maybe the uh, FBI ruled him out because he had an alibi and somebody was like, yep, I was with him and it was his bandmate. And so they literally rule him out, but yeah. Yeah. So they just completely ruled him out, but, we don't know why, but in terms of, of those who make it a, a point to try to investigate these sorts of things on the internet, um, yeah, he's still considered like one of the, the kind of prominent suspects in this whole thing. Hmm. Um, and kind of along that same lines, like part of that, there's this kind of interesting, and I'm going to be honest, completely uncorroborated claim <laughs> okay. um, that's kind of been circling around saying that Douglas's daughter, like, and this is in more recent years, uh, claiming that Douglas's own daughter says she found out that her father had pictures of Amy that he held on to um, and that he was obsessed with her. 
Mike and would repeatedly like talk about these photos and about this Amy. Um, but again, that's just something that kind of got churned up in like a, an unsubstantiated internet rumor mills. It mm. probably isn't like it, you shouldn't really consider that the least bit reliable, but <laughs> it was like an interesting little side thing. Um, I'm kind of on that note. The Bradleys did just focus their suspicions on just the band. So the family also stated that there were actually several waiters on board that made Amy feel kind of extremely uncomfortable during the mm. couple of days uh, that they were on the cruise, like so much so that she had mentioned it on more than one occasion uh, to the rest of her family. Um, a little interesting side story, the night before her disappearance, um, while her parents were alone having drinks together, uh, they were allegedly approached by one of the waiters, um, and specifically one of the waiters that had been giving Amy the creeps uh, throughout the couple of days leading up to it, um, and asked them to pass along a message to her, uh, inviting her to join him for drinks when they were on the beach in Aruba the next, that evening when they docked, um, which she clearly declined um, <laughs> no thank you <laughs> he's already given her the creeps and like this does seem like a pretty innocent thing like just someone kind of approaching them being like hey ask her if she i'm gonna i'm gonna try this out here uh, uh, throw it at the wall see if it sticks um <clears throat> but so at the time seemed kind of innocent but in retrospect the bradley started see like saw this invitation as like an attempt to beat amy off the ship and away from her family um, another kind of little interesting story tidbit is uh, before one of the formal dinners that they did, uh, there was a photographer who was set up who was taking pictures of guests as they came in. Um, and then they were printing out the photos if they wanted to commemorate the evening. Um, so they, you know, you take your pictures, you go, you eat your dinner. And then by the time you're done, they have these photos done. Yeah. Um, so the Bradleys had gone up and posed for various pictures but at the end, when they went to go pick them up later, like the actual prints, all the images that had included Amy were missing. Um, there were other pictures of the family, like ones that like where the dad and the brother had a picture together, et cetera, et cetera, that were still there. Uh, the photographer, when they were like, where are the rest of our pictures? The photographer was at a loss. He said he definitely remember printing them off, but he didn't know what happened to them, which in the family's mind meant that someone had gone and actually taken them. That's a little that's creepy. Weird. Yeah, that's a weird one. Was Amy exceptionally beautiful? I mean, she's cute. Like, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say, like, I would look at her and go, oh, my God, that's, like, a woman. But she is very, like, she's, she's not unattractive. No. She's pretty. She's, like, yeah, she's pretty. She's cute. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, it's kind of one of those things uh, that, like, these kind of couple little things happening on their own weren't that alarming, but she disappeared. And then they put them together and the Bradleys were looking at this and started believing the worst. They believed that someone on the ship, the bassist, one of the waiters, all of them together uh, had singled out their daughter. They planned to drug her, kidnap her and sell her into sexual slavery. So wow. I like, I get that that's kind of like a wild jump in logic um to go from you know some it, it just seemed like a bit of it seems like a bit of a jump to go from like a to q uh, yeah. but in their minds at that point it 
that made way more sense to them than like a drunken accident or suicide. Okay. So you might be wondering at this point, like, the fuck? A little, <laughs> like, yeah. How do you make that leap? Uh, so I will, I will share with you how someone might make that leap. Uh, there is like, we'll call it an urban legend or like a rumor like kind of a whispered story that circulates around a lot of those kind of popular tourist ports in the Caribbean. Okay. Uh, and basically like in a nutshell, the story goes that pretty young tourists are the favorite target of an organized human trafficking ring. So there's a man, Steve Reeves, who is the editor of a cruise line trade magazine. And he wrote at one point saying, there's a rumor or a, le- a rumor and a legend that surrounds slavery in the Southern Caribbean. It's not uncommon knowledge in the mar- maritime community that young white women are considered to be very desirable to foreign procurers. So, like having heard this kind of like rumor, legend, whatever you call it, the leap doesn't seem like as completely out of the blue. Okay, whether yeah. or not it's true, that's a whole other thing. But knowing that these stories circulate around you know this jump doesn't seem that crazy or as crazy at least some witnesses actually in Kirkhouse seem to validate the line of thought so shortly after the family had flown back to St. like had flown to St. Martin they ended up going back to Kirkhouse uh, for like a day or so before they had to fly home. Hmm. Um, and when they were back in Curacao, a taxi driver come, came forward saying that he was approached by a woman who matched Amy's description, um, who kind of frightening, like in a frightened way, asked to borrow his phone before running away. Uh, later, uh, a few days later, like a, a Puerto Rican police cadet claims that he actually saw her being forced into a taxi cab by a strange man with a baseball cap. Hmm. So armed with this kind of an armed with these claims that were made once they arrived back in Curacao and knowing these kind of urban legends going around about like a human trafficking ring um, to the family, it wasn't a crazy leap in logic to link any unwanted male attention that Amy had received on the ship with like a nefarious plot. Totally. Uh, Iva Bradley said in an interview to People Magazine years later that Amy would have been a trophy. Amy would have been someone that I believe could have been picked out, fingered to move off that ship. She could have been held and hidden. She could have been possibly drugged and taken from that ship. So at this point, the family's going, Occam's razor, be damned. I don't care if the most, like, if the simplest explanation is that she fell overboard. This is what we believe. And this storyline, this kind of plot, of her being kidnapped from the ship and sold into sexual slavery is the one that's like really caught on. So <clears throat> this point, was the Bradley's there... just... Sorry, wasn't there alleged pictures too? Yes. Oh, yes, we're getting there. We're what? getting What? Because yes. also, is it Occam's razor, the simplest that she fell? I feel like there are way too many steps in between her falling and... Yeah, and what yeah. actually happened. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> It's still not that simple in my mind. Okay, so there are photographs? Yes, we'll get there. There's there's a whole lot more. And the reason why this is the story that that seems to have caught on for people. Okay. Um, so the Bradleys are now back in Virginia. And they have just, they, they are running with this idea of her being kidnapped off the boat. 
Listen, it's what they um, feel like. I don't know. Yeah. They must and, have and a reason a for it. Yeah. You yeah. don't need a reason. You don't okay, need a reason. Fair. It's a family who's in. Sorry, that, that came out wrong. Like, I'm saying I agree with you. Necessarily need a reason to run with it. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. if your alternative is believing that your daughter is dead and gone tragically, or that she's alive somewhere, she may not be well, but she's alive and you can still save her. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're going to you go know. Liam Neeson taken on that shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the Bradleys kind of ran with that. They weren't just going to let Amy be like a tragic footnote. Um, so when they got home, they actually set up like a tips hotline and a website uh, had like maps and charts of all the possible sightings of Amy that maybe come through. Um, and like soon after they set this up, like leads began to start trickling in. So here are kind of a, a few, the ones that got like a lot of notes um, and the powers of the sleuthing uh, have decided that these are the kind of most credible okay. things that happened. So in August 1998, David Carmichael, who was a Canadian man who was vacationing in Curacao with a group of friends, uh, a woman who was flanked by two rough looking men walking down the beach towards his direction. When she passed his group, she made eye contact and stepped to the side, making a, making out like she was about to say something to them before she was aggress- aggressively shushed by her escorts who glared at the tourists, grabbed her, and pulled her out of sight. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't until much later when he had finished his vacation, got home, and happened to see a report a few days later on TV about uh, Amy um, regarding her disappearance that he made a connection between Amy and the woman that he had encountered on the beach. Um, So he was like, based on like, it was kind of a, the family was routinely kind of putting it out on different things. Like they later on ended up on like things like Dr. Phil, like they were, they were trying everything they could to get her name and her picture out there for people to see. Um, so he hears this report about how she went missing on this cruise. He sees a picture of her uh, and he called um, like the tip line and his description that he gave of the woman on the beach was like, it matched her perfectly and not just stuff that you would have seen in the picture that was like kind of placed on the TV. Uh, it went all the way down to a very specific collection of tattoos that she had. Mm. Um, so he said like this woman had a Tasmanian devil on her shoulder. She had a blue gown around her belly button she had a chinese character on her ankle and like a sun on the small of her back um all of which were tattoos that amy had he also mentioned that he was like pretty sure he saw that she had a belly button ring again something amy had so the fbi upon hearing this tip like thought it was compelling enough to act to curacao to follow up on the sighting uh but weren't able to find any anything about her um so in 1999 an american navy officer uh claims he had contact with amy in a curacao brothel brothel sorry uh the sailor who kind of remains unnamed uh no one ever mentions his name because he was Uh, in a brothel he's not gonna be like yeah exactly my name is (laughs) yeah exactly uh the sailor uh says he was approached by a woman who was clearly not a local she identified identified herself by name and begged him for help Aww. and then this, 
gem of a human being uh, was like, whoa, well, this is where my ship stopped. You can come find me. And then watched as two men came forward and forcibly took her up the stairs. And then he just carried on with what I'm going to presume was a night of started in a brothel uh are you kidding she begged yeah. for okay so he has the conscience to say this to whom how did they uh, how did this information the tip line like he called in to the tip line the best part though is he didn't actually report this incident for another three years, years. because Yes, because he was worried about the repercussions of admitting that he was spending his leave time in a brothel. So he actually waited until he retired before he contacted the Bradleys. And then he contacted the Bradleys? Yes, through the tip line. So oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so he contacted through the or the website, I believe. And again, at this point, uh, the. Uh, FBI investigators actually again thought that this was compelling enough to try to send follow up. Um, they sent, uh, they like sent investigators to this this brothel that he, um, that he directed them to, and it was in fact a brothel. Like it wasn't, it's not like he just made up an address when they arrived there. Like it was a known brothel in the area. Hmm. Um, however, it had been destroyed in a fire the year before. So any evidence that might have been there, including Amy herself, possibly, uh, was long gone. No kidding. So um, that happened in 99, but he didn't report it until like 2002. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so by the time investigators went in 2002, it was the burnt brothel down. was gone. Yeah. yeah. And it, they, they do confirm that it had been a brothel. So. Unreal. Now, she identified herself by name to this guy. But, like the, the reports say that he said, she approached him, said, my name is Amy Bradley. I need help. Like, yeah. Um, there's another. So at the same time, so we're talking like 1999. So around this and it close to the same time that this man is claiming he saw her in a brother in Curacao. There's like another thing that happened. Um, I'm going to just tell it. And partially because, I mean, it's kind of interesting that it happened. Also, because I do think it, it highlights why when people are saying like, oh, there was like a, a tip or someone came forward and said this, that you do have to take it a bit with a grain of salt. Um, and why I find it more compelling when it was enough that they actually send someone to like look into it. Totally. Um, so at the same time, uh the Bradleys received another email uh through their tip site um from a former Marine who was turned to professional mercenary named Frank Jones. Um uh, <laughs> he told them that he commanded a group of former military professionals and he was following up on a tip he received from a woman named Judith Judith Margarita, um, a cook in Kirkau who claimed that she knew where Amy was being kept. Uh, she had given an accurate description um, and said that she saw the young woman around the neighborhood where she worked, always accompanied by one of her captors, who were members of a notorious Columbi Colombian trafficking cartel, and were keeping her in a fortified and armed compound. Um, oh, good. Yes. And so this was as they, she gave the description and apparently also hummed, 
you know, a line, a, a few lines of a, a lullaby that she said she heard the girl humming before, which Iva was like, that's something that I used to sing to her. Oh my God, it's Amy. Um, so they contacted the FBI um, who were told that, well, without any actual evidence that this was like a drug cartel's fortress where mm. she was being held, there was nothing really local police could do. But isn't it lucky that the Bradleys have a tip that came from a mercenary who definitely was equipped to extract their daughter. So if it sounds batshit, uh, it's because it was. Okay, (laughs) I'm excited. Yes, and I can understand why a desperate family was like really keen and quick to believe the story. Um, So yeah, the police couldn't do anything about it, but guess who could? The mercenaries. So what followed is they did months of reconnaissance uh, where they were watching this, this fortified location. Uh, Frank Jones was like in contact with the Bradley family, uh, explaining what he was seeing, that he'd seen Amy, um, what her movements were, where she was being kept, who was coming in and out of this cartel, uh, you know, trying to find the best time and place that they would be able to extract her um they said he sent them a photo of a woman um on a beach with one of these supposed guards uh the bradleys you know get this photo and they're like oh my god it's her it's amy we're gonna get her back it's happening um it also included so the kind of culmination of this included a moment where or a day where the supposed cartel had like caught sight of the mercenaries um and a shootout began and you know they only just managed to escape with their lives but what that meant is that they knew that someone was on to them and they would be moving amy and if they let got her to a different location they'd never find her again so the bradleys at this point like truly believed that this was their only chance that they were going to get their daughter back mm-hmm. uh, to kirk house uh, just as a side note, they flew on a private jet that was procured for them by Ron's employer. Again, boss of the fucking decade. <laughs> no kidding. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so he flew them back down to Kirk House so they could meet with these like mercenary saviors to get Amy back. Uh, except when they arrived, they didn't hear anything from Frank Jones. Not for days. Finally, they were contacted by a man named Tim Buckholtz. Uh, He was a former army sniper and one of the special forces guys that was supposedly monitoring the compound where Amy was being kept. Except he hadn't been monitoring a compound full of a a drug cartel. He was in fact watching a family house compound and watching a couple go about doing normal couple things. Uh, There was no cartel. No. mercenaries uh had in fact so these men who were employed by frank jones had in fact gone to a housing compound uh based on the tip that frank jones said he received um and when they were there they discovered it was just a normal family there was no sign of amy buckholtz however had them like ordered them to remain and to keep uh keep monitoring the area for any for any chance like so developments they did, they of yeah. any developments so was in fact monitoring this home um and it wasn't until later like not that long before all of this came to a head that jones overheard brad uh sorry that buckholtz overheard jones talking to the bradleys on the phone 
and realized that his boss had been spinning a crazy story out of like a B grade. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point had fleeced to the couple out of a total of $210,000, money that was both out of their own pockets as well as money from a charity uh, that provides help like provides money to help locate missing people so totally uh, to like bring her home right like yeah yeah. so as it turns out fuck that guy Uh. (laughs) um as it kind of turns out he had like he doctored the whole thing uh there was the elaborate story he hired a woman who had a passing enough resemblance far away surveillance picture um it looked like her uh he actually as it turns out paid the woman, Judith Margarita, for the original tip uh, and wasn't even ex-military. He was just a really good con man who was convincing enough that he fooled the actual ex-servicemen who worked for him. Uh, So total dick. Yeah, total dick. Just completely manipulating a grieving family uh, for a paycheck. Operating on foreign soil, so it doesn't matter what he does anywhere. I mean, as like a a kind of uh a kind of small you know i guess what's the word i'm looking for small comfort uh is he was actually convicted of fraud and was sent to jail for five years good for for this yes for this (gasps) yes Uh, fantastic yes so small was it a was it a foreign jail or was it the u.s god damn it i don't know sorry (laughs) Listen, prison sounds like a terrible experience no matter where it is. Some places would be worse. I can't imagine he enjoyed it. Exactly. Um, And like, one of the things that gets to me is that all of this was happening around the same time that uh, Mr. Prostitute Sailor um, McDickerson McDickerson allegedly saw amy in a brothel so probably really actually saw her in the brothel so what gets to me is the original information from the sailor when they did receive it three years later was enough that they like that it was investigated like they went yeah that they went to find this supposed brothel meaning that they found it compelling enough it was credible enough yeah yeah that it required some kind of follow-up so that if if he had just come forward and said it immediately a they might have gotten to this brothel before it burned down but like also because and i don't know the exact month that he saw her it was just around the same time is what i was getting but if at around the same time you receive two tips one of which the FBI says we can't do anything. There's no evidence. The other, which they say we're going to investigate it. One of them automatically gets a little bit more credible in your mind, right? Ab- absolutely. So had he come forward three years earlier when it actually happened, they might not have gotten sucked into this whole stupid two hundred and ten thousand dollars scheme. Dollar scheme. And then uh, that involves her. like you know mercenaries. So just mercenaries living out like a life in a foreign country, just hanging out, watching yeah. people. 
Well, the crazy thing, the thing that actually got me is when, you know, you hear this part, you're like, Jesus Christ, when you realize all the people who worked for the guy actually were legit ex-servicemen working as mercenaries. And that was in the year 1999. Can you imagine the service people now? Yeah, right? Right? Anyway. Um, So the next, moving forward, those guys are dicks. No kidding. (laughs) Fuck those guys. So the next kind of noteworthy tip uh, came in 2005, so a few years later, um, from a woman named Judy Maurer who filed a report that stated she'd seen Amy Lynn Bradley um, while she was in Barbados in a department store washroom. Um, a woman matching Jamie's description came in, it came into the washroom, escorted by three men. Uh, Judy overheard the men threatening the woman, referencing some kind of deal she was trying to back out of. Um, and on her way out of the door, there was this brief moment where, she was kind of had kind of lingered behind the three men and were able to like was alone for like a second with Judy. Um, and she quickly told her that her name was Amy. Her, she was from Virginia and that was all she could get out before one of the men came back, grabbed her by the arm and dragged her out of the bathroom. So this particular little, little sighting is a particular favorite among the internet detectives. Okay. Um, And the reason is because Judy provided a description of the three men who came into the bathroom with, um, yeah, with, with Amy, um, enough. So like, and she, she remembered enough and was able to provide a good enough description that they created composite sketches. Um, and some people will note that one of the men, uh, in the sketches bore a more than passing resemblance to good old yellow of blue orchid fame. Douglas. Hmm. Yes, yes, Douglas. Yellow, Douglas, not Alistair. Not um, Alistair, because that's yeah. such a good name. So, it is a good name. Uh, but yeah, so it's gained a lot of traction among among the internet sleuths, because looking at the image, you're like, this guy does look like like the old, uh, the old band member that was su- a suspect early on. So now do that's the inter- kind of what... Sorry, does the so- internet, Sylvie, know what happened to Douglas? No. Interesting. Like, you'd think that they would be able to find... I mean, they might. Like, I'm not part of whatever forums actually, you know, where these people who choose to do this, you know, discuss it. I'm kind of going based on when I was researching it, which was finding, like, compilations of what people have discovered. So, maybe. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, who knows Um, what has happened to him? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the most recent stuff I was able to find about him was the rumor in like kind of in more recent years that his daughter says he has pictures of her and is obsessed with her. Which is also but, weird. Yeah. Um, but that again is like just rumor, like random, random info on the internet. Who knows about that one? Um, so another thing happened in 2005, and this is perhaps the the most compelling of information and tips that they received. Um, and they, so the Bradleys threw again, their, their tip site um, contained an anonymous e- or received an anonymous, anonymous email that contained pictures from a website that prostitutes in the Caribbean. Uh, these pictures showed a woman called jazz 
who was laying in a bed in various poses and in stages of undress. And the woman truly does bear a, like a striking resemblance to Amy. Um, Especially if you do like a side-by-side comparison. Uh, Like she's a little older and like has a weird kind of puffed up back combed hairdo. Um, and admittedly looks a little like strung out, but it's not, it's not so much that if you stick the two pictures next to each other, it's not a leap to see how they look. Like I would, I would encourage you both to get my, like to, to, if you're curious to actually Google the images, um, because they do really look quite a bit alike, um. People did, like, and a lot of people have done a lot of, like, comparisons where they isolate individual parts of her face that look at this specific, you know, shape on her nose. You can see it in both these, like, this distance between her eyebrows and her hairline, uh, the angle of her earlobes. Like, people were going into, like, some extreme details when they were trying to compare these photos. Can Um, they see any of her tattoos? No. No, not in the, uh, not in the images. So, don't know about that. That would have been awesome if they could. Um, But yeah, so there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot. It's And it's not, it really isn't hard to believe why people see that. Like, if you see them together, like, yeah. You have to kind of look at it and go, oh, like, she looks a lot rougher, but. (laughs) Same, same. Same, same, but different. Same, same. Same, same, but different. Yeah. Um, So. And this, like, this kind of thing was exactly what the Bradleys were hoping for. To them, this was irrefutable. Um, this was Amy. They actually even went as so far as to have the images, like, paying to have the images analyzed by an ex- ex-FBI expert who compared the images of Jazz to Amy and concluded that they were the same person. So oh. as far as the Bradleys are concerned, like, this is, this was Amy. So that's kind of where we leave off with Amy Lynn Bradley. So over the past 23 years, they have been... 23. Actually, am I even right? 2008 to... to Yeah, 23 years. There have been a lot of... Like, there have been other alleged sightings of her. Um, No one's ever been able to find the elusive Jazz who looked so shockingly similar to her. Um, no one's found Jazz. Uh, she's like, as far as anyone can see, it's still the same thing. Amy Lynn Bradley was a young woman who simply disappeared into thin air one morning. So here's the question. Did she drunkenly fall off the ship? Did she end her own life? Was she pushed maybe? Or was she stolen away to become part of a much whispered, whispered about human trafficking ring in the Caribbean? I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I think there's kind of compelling thoughts on a few of the different theories. Uh, one thing for show for certain though, has never ever finding her alive, not even just finding out what happened to her, finding her alive. They're still searching and there is still a $250,000 reward uh, by being offered by the family for anyone who can give information that leads them to find her. Um, she was tech declared legally dead in abstantia in 2020, uh, sorry, 2010. Um, that same year, actually, a partial human jawbone washed ashore in Aruba. Um, it was determined that it was from a young Caucasian woman, uh, but it was missing all but one of the teeth. 
So dental records weren't really going to help. Um, it's been wildly speculated that this could be Amy. There is no definitive proof of that, though. Uh, it could have been from any number of young women who have gone missing at seas on cruise ships over the years. Um, it is interesting, though, to note that the FBI still includes Amy Lynn Bradley in its list of like most sought after missing people. Um, and also are still offering a reward, reward of $25,000 for any information that leads to her whereabouts. Um, either way, with that skull or with that fraction of a jaw washing ashore, that kind of marks the last bit of evidence or clue that they might have had uh, in her case. So it seems like it's unlikely that it's ever actually going to be solved unless they find her. And you were saying that there's more disappearances from cruise ships yes oh good you just you just did my transition for me i was gonna be like what do you guys i was like what do you guys think i was gonna let you talk about it and be like what do you think happened to amy and then i was gonna be like and let me hit you with some fun facts i'm Um, excited about these facts okay we'll do the facts first then so here's like here's the little fun fact about cruises since 2000 um over 300 people have gone missing from cruise ships uh Royal Caribbean International and Carnival Cruises are the ones with the highest numbers. I mean, to be fair, they are the biggest. Right? Like, you have the most cruises, you're going to have the most people go missing. And 300 really isn't that many, considering how many cruises there are. From the year 2000? But, like, from the year 2000, so these are people who are just gone missing, though. Right? Like, these are, they're just gone. Um, Many of them are... Uh, many of these 300 that have just gone missing where they're like, we don't know, they're missing. Uh, Many of them have kind of been written off as um, someone who has jumped or fallen from the balcony and being lost. Can we, but how do they fall if the balcony is so high or if the railing (laughs) is so high? How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, like that's the thing. So most of these the, these 300 missing people, people, it's like most of them have been written off uh, by often the cruise lines as a tragic accident or a suicide, basically. Um, and in some cases, there are a lot, like there is actual hard or very at least very compelling circumstantial evidence to support that and to yeah. kind of remove any doubt. But some of them are definitely definitely like along the Amy, Amy Lynn Bradley lines mysterious and big the question the fuck is going on in the oceans mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cruise ships seem yeah. dangerous yes um so Sarah you had kind of had an aghast moment earlier when you were like it's not registered in the U.S. um yeah so like okay so that's but... a... sorry I was just going to say, but where do they register them then? And so like, that's obviously a very uh, calculated decision so that they yes. avoid taxes or yes. something. So you're lining it up exactly. That's And that's a big part of the problem. So it was mostly prevalent in like the 90s and early 2000s um, where a ship, like, I mean, ships don't hang out in a specific country. Uh and they are actually subject to the laws and policing from wherever they are registered. So, and like you said, this is done for different reasons, for tax reasons, for legal reasons, um, for likely liability 
reasons mm-hmm. in some cases. Uh, but like basically say you are a Canadian citizen who is getting on a ship that's docked in Canada that you purchased for from like, you know, canadacruises.com to go on like, I don't know where you'd go in Canada. So we're going to say an Alaskan cruise. Okay. <laughs> okay. So all of that Canadian citizen buying a cruise ship, like buying a, a trip on a cruise ship from a Canadian site boarding in Canada to go on an Alaskan cruise, that ship could be registered in like Ghana. Or Absolutely. Yeah. That Liberia makes sense now. I just Albania. didn't think of that. That's yeah. crazy. Um, meaning that anything that happens on that ship, it's actually like the Ghanaian police, uh, like federal police or Liberian or Albanian or wherever you wherever they've registered. It's actually that those police officers um which becomes even kind of more confusing when you start into throwing whether or not they're in international waters Mm. um and where let's say there was an altercation and there was no doubt about it like an altercation happens on the ship someone somebody dies yeah okay yeah and someone is murdered and everyone knows that that's what it was like there's no question about it there's also a question of if that happened in international waters then it's like wherever it's registered if that happened already in the waters of say Curacao, um, where the person on the ship died could determine which police force is going to be responsible for investigating and punishing. Wow. So, and I don't ridiculously complicated. So it makes it very complicated. And I mean, I'm not trying to like disparage different police forces and things like that, but there are also different laws and different corruption in different countries, right? Like not saying any country has like a flawless system, but you know, if you're on a cruise in the waters of North Korea, you don't want them being the ones who are investigating (laughs) your your murder, right? Absolutely. it adds this whole extra layer of things. Um, so some kind of other, there's a few like Amy Lynn Bradley that have kind of particularly been of interest mm. to people. Um, so one first one, it's one that gets mentioned a lot is uh, a woman named Rebecca Corium. Uh, she was a 24 year old employee on a Disney cruise ship who disappeared in May of 2011. Uh, this was 2011. There was surveillance for footage. Uh, sorry for certain parts of the ship and the surveillance video does show her on the phone talking clearly upset um so much so that a passenger passing by approaches her and asks her if she's okay the in the video it appears that she said yes hung up rather abruptly and walked away and that was the last time she was ever seen oh man so there's a lot of theories um as to what happened to her, kind of like Amy Lynn Bradley, there's this under like the the kind of cruise line is kind of pushing that it was either an accident um, that she fell overboard, uh, which her family strongly disputes, given that she worked for the cruise line, <laughs> well aware of like the safety issues. Um, there's also a lot of like people will say that she was in a quite a tumultuous relationship, that she had had a fight with her partner and committed suicide. Um, and then some of the authorities who are actually doing the investigation insist that there was foul play involved and she was murdered. But like Amy Lynn Bradley, it's something that's kind of just no one knows. 
Hmm. <laughs> and it's never been solved. Um, another one that comes up a lot, a lot is the case of Miriam Carver. Um, she disappeared in August 2004. She decided to take a seven-day Alaskan cruise alone. Um, so she disappeared on only the second day of the cruise. And a crew member actually went and reported to his superiors that he thought Carver was missing. He couldn't find her. And she seemed to be gone from the boat. The ship did nothing. Uh, when the cruise ended five days later and they found her belongings still in her room, but not her, they donated them to a charity and never repeated her disappearance to any authorities. You're kidding me. Oh, that's nope. ridiculous. Which cruise ship was this? Um, it was, I think it was another Royal Caribbean. Wow, they are just the best, most caring people. Yeah, I'm not, um, don't quote me on that. I didn't write it down. I did read it when I was like doing a little research thing, but yeah. I didn't write it down. So don't quote me on that, but it was one of the big ones. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, they just donated her shit. They're like, yeah, well, she must yeah. not have. Um, and it actually wasn't until like another five days had passed <sighs> um, before her family, because she went on this cruise alone and actually hadn't told anybody that she was going like an older woman like not older but like you know yeah she's a, like, she's a lady she can do what she she's wants she's a lady she can do what she wants she decided to take this vacation alone hadn't told anybody um and it was like another 5 days when her family was like why the hell can't anyone get a hold of her like no one's heard from her that they reported her missing hmm. oh yeah we had and her found shit. Out, we just threw it in the garbage yeah and then and then found out she was on a cruise and that the crew, someone on the cruise was like, I haven't seen this lady. Like, I'm pretty sure she's gone. Mm -hmm. um, another one uh, is a man dis who disappeared named George Smith IV. Um, this happened in July 2005. Oh, no, this is the one that was an RCI. It was not, this was another RCI uh, cruise. Okay. So he disappeared from a Royal Caribbean cruise that was happening in the Mediterranean. Uh, he was on his honeymoon. And on the night of his disappearance, he and his wife had been drinking heavily. Um, he returned to their cabin alone. Uh, and remember how you were like, people wander around and just sleep places. And I was like, it happens more than you think. This was one of those cases. Like they actually, they knew his wife wasn't in the cabin because she, her, like her key never triggered the lock. And they found her like later that night, passed out like by a pool. <laughs> so... Um, they'd been drinking quite heavily. Uh, he returned alone to their cabin. Um, while he was like during that night, the neighbors in the cabin next to him said that they heard a lot of loud talking that eventually turned into an argument. Um, and then a loud thud and then nothing. Um, so, oh man, I'm going the wrong way. I lost my spot. Sorry. So they heard this loud thud all coming from the room. So the next day, you know, or early in the wee hours of the morning when crew's uh, employees find the wife, like, asleep, cuddled up next to a pool noodle. Um, <laughs> they take her back to the room. He's not there. Uh, they actually found blood on the canopy that was beneath their cabin. So, like, the canopy of the balcony below them. Okay. And they found blood on there, uh, suggesting that he had been fallen or pushed off that balcony. Um, years later, like years, years later. So it was like, a, it was again, very much said of he fell off. Like it was, he was real drunk and he fell from, but nobody took a sample of that blood just to, like, no, no, they did. Like they found the blood okay. there. It was his blood. It's but like, oh yeah, he was drunk. He fell off. There are so, other 
but how did the blood get there then if he fell? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And here's the problem when you don't have anyone investigating. Uh, um, because years later, uh, through their own investigation and uh, different authorities coming forward to try to investigate, the family actually discovered that um, it had been reported by other passengers on the boat that there was a group of fellow pass like other passengers that were seen with George earlier um, in the evening while he'd been drinking heavily at a casino. Hmm. Um, and they had been all quite intoxicated. And that after his disappearance, the same group of passengers who had been with him at the casino had allegedly stated uh, that we gave that guy a paragliding lesson without a parachute. Wow. The were never investigated, and his death was officially deemed an accident. So, listen, guys, the lesson that we have learned from this whole episode is if you want to murder somebody, you take them on a cruise. Yeah. You no. take them oh, on a cruise. Oh, there's so many of those. There's so many of those as well. Like, I just picked three. Wow. Three murders? <laughs> okay, let's go. So, that no, guy. No, no, I just picked like three possible stories. Stories. Like little, little, these other things. There are so many if you google like just cruise ship disappearances you'll find like the rebecca one george one miriam amy lynn like those will come up the big ones like a lot of people those are the ones that kind of sparked the most like ooh. but like there are a lot well because you said there were <laughs> 300 people that had gone missing but that doesn't necessarily include people that have died on cruise ships yes because i like wonder that's... how many people actually get murdered or yeah. what if there is a drunken fist fight and somebody dies and it's like, well, he didn't mean to punch him in the head yeah. so and hard he like, fell off. If, if, if it's up to the cruise line to report that to whichever foreign police force is supposed to investigate it. Like, again, if you are if registered, in Canada, I don't know why they would, they get no tax breaks, but let's say a Australian cruise line registered in Canada um, like, it's hard. Like, what, the, the RCMP is going to go to Australia to try to I investigate just... it? Like, it's, like, it's all this extra level of the fuck. And the fact that, again, I'm not trying to say, like, cast doubt on certain countries' ability, like, police or investigation forces, but again, the countries that they choose to register these in usually have some pretty lax laws in return in like regard taxes liability which is why the cruise ships choose <laughs> there absolutely but like, and no, also they're, they're not choosing to register in great britain they're choosing to register in a like i mean i bet if they would allow them to they would love north korea but you know what i mean like they're yeah. choosing they're specifically choosing places that likely have some corruption issues more that so just result in more benefits to their company as yeah. opposed to to the people my question is i have always i mean obviously i'm very naive and i know this that i trust the corporations to like have my best interest at heart and keep me and safe don't. and like but no. why don't they have an investigative force like because if they, they know... don't actually care if you're if yeah. people are going to still keep going and but that's because nobody knows they don't make a big deal about it they're like yes yeah. yes amy we need you to come here uh -huh. yeah but yeah, yeah but sarah these cruise lines are well known for 
diseases and stuff and people still go. So even if there is yeah. downsides, people are still going to go. Because they're not going to be one out of 300. Yeah. Um, and Sarah, you actually mentioned this early on too. There's also been like uh, just a barrage of sexual assault claims yeah. um, that happened on cruises that were never reported by cruise security to any yeah. law enforcement agency, let alone investigated. Yeah, 100%. So you also have, like, and there's a lot of of women who come forward saying, like, this happened. And the same thing with, especially with sexual assault claims, the same thing happens with, like, all-inclusive resorts. Yep. um, Where there's just, like, just mountains of claims of sexual assault, and it goes nowhere. Like, it's it's not even reported. They don't even write it down. They're just like, yeah, uh uh-huh, bye. Um, So... It is interesting, like, things are a little better now, um, like, more recently, uh, and that's thanks a lot to a lot of political pressure, particularly in the U.S. Um, U.S. Congress has been pushing a lot of forced changes on, like, cruise lines operating out of the United States. No, you um, can't tell me that if Congress decides to do, like, make actions, that it actually has results. <gasps> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so there, there, there is, it's starting to get better. There's been a lot more political pressure by primarily the United States, but in a lot of different countries that are known for, mm-hmm. like, being the, the purchase point, because it is mostly Americans who go on cruises. <laughs> Uh, but other not that other countries don't, but there's like a, a lot of countries are starting to put a little bit more political pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are also uh, groups that have formed. So one like very well known one and probably the most um, effective is a group called the International Cruise Victims. Uh, so the ICV and they are a group that advocates on behalf of people's lives who were irrevocably damaged by things that have happened on cruises so this uh like this group was actually started by a man named ken carver if the name sounds slightly familiar it's because his daughter miriam carver the one who was on the boat and disappeared and Mm. they just didn't report it Uh, so she had had gone missing in 2004 uh the cruise operator actually put a gag order on all the employees refusing to allow them to speak about the cruise or what might have happened to her mm-hmm. and actually withheld vital evidence uh, of her disappearance in order to protect themselves. Wow. Uh, Carver believes um, based on his own dealings and the people he kind of works with to help that a similar situation, whether it is the truly like crazy, crazy tragic, like in the case of his daughter or Amy Lynn um, or George, like someone who's passed away or one of the like a myriad of sexual assault claims, but he believes that similar situations to that um, befall a new victim every two weeks. That's ridiculous. That's it. So don't go on cruises. And with that, we finish our tragic tale of Amy Lynn Bradley. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the Smurl haunting. Please check the description for links to uh, um, relevant websites regarding Amy Lynn Bradley's disappearance if you have any information. Thank you.